Hi everyone, I'm Ricardo Gonsalves and welcome to this podcast of Small Business Secrets. I've often thought, what is it that I would want to do if I wasn't a television journalist or a business presenter? And apart from advertising, I've actually got a, a marketing and economics degree. I've always thought, gee, it'd be great to run my own cafe. But as a lot of us know... It takes a lot of time and effort to run a cafe. So that is what we'll be focusing on in this podcast. We'll tell you how to start a cafe and speak with the founder of Zarafa's Coffee on the Gold Coast, Kenton Campbell, and one of Sydney's most popular cafes and restaurants, the Grounds of Alexandria, will tell us how he built the business. All of that and plenty more in this podcast of Small Business Secrets. Stay with us. Coming up, the connected cup and how it could lead to cash-free cafes. Latte lessons, starting, running and growing a coffee shop and coffee with a cause, turning a caffeine fix into charity cash. It gives the consumer the power, I suppose, to choose the charity of their choice. Hello, I'm Ricardo Gonsalves and welcome to Small Business Secrets. Also coming up on the program, we speak to Kenton Campbell about how he built his drive-through coffee empire. But first, did you know there are more than 7,250 cafes and coffee shops in Australia? Collectively, they employ around 70,000 people and generate about $5 billion a year. And their numbers are growing up 7.5% over the last five years. Rita Zung has been coaching cafe owners for more than a decade. She says the key to running a successful coffee shop is to remember you're in the people business. The cafe industry changed greatly in the last 15 years. From when I started my cafe business 15 years ago, you were able to make a pretty good coffee and then you'll have a line of customers to the door. Nowadays, making a good coffee is no longer good enough. You need to be really different in what you're doing. Most customers go into coffee shops not only just to buy coffee or food, they're going to a cafe for a great experience. So perhaps think about ways of creating that great experience. Most cafes have regular customers, about 70 to 80% makes up all of their customers. Those regular customers give you the repeat business. So how about get to know the customer's name? Get to know those regular customers' order. How great it'll be when the regular customer come in and says, hi Michael, how are you? Regular coffee with one sugar today? and knowing where he would like to sit, whether he would like his coffee before or after the meal. All those little things makes a big difference in the customer experience. They also need to focus more on the other side of the people business, which is their staff. They need to think about what are the ways to create a happy, inviting and buzzing environment so great people could, would like to work in that environment. 
because once you've got great staff to work in that environment, that attracts the customers. A great experience is the key, especially in today's competitive environment. Benjamin Young's latest business venture aims to eliminate two headaches of the daily coffee grind, paper cup guilt and the sluggish queue to the cashier. His reusable cup has an inbuilt chip which enables consumers to swipe and pay while earning reward points. Sarah Arbo reports. Coffee lovers, this is your future. Why wait a second longer for your caffeine hit when you can just tap and go? It aims to save time, money and the planet. As a young kid, I was always spending a lot of time outside and I found a lot of cups, you know, water bottles and that kind of thing on the ground and overflowing out of bins and I just kept that in the back of my mind because that was unacceptable to me as a little kid. Ben Young is the passionate entrepreneur who left his corporate job of 10 years to start the eco-friendly Frank Green. Colourful alternatives to bottled water and non-recyclable coffee cups. 38% of Australia's landfill is either single-use water bottles or coffee cups and as well, you know, up to 90% uh, of office bins is those two products as well. So, you know, that's not good enough and something's got to change. But being a fan of all things practical, Ben wasn't happy to stop there. His concept includes a secret weapon, a chip inserted in every lid. It facilitates the tap and go function, allowing you to purchase your coffee through a cafe pay partnership. And then I connect a smart cup, I grab, I grab it like this, connect it. It's that simple. It's that simple, right? Yeah. You securely load your money through the app and it stores your favourite order as well. Please. Can I please have a soy cappuccino? Absolutely. Thank you. The app also has maps built in to help you find cafe pay outlets, gift coffees you to your friends and maintain too. loyalty points. And there's also something in it for cafes. So each time a consumer uses their smart cup at a cafe, they save the cafe anywhere between 20 to 50 cents, depending on the eco-credentials of that cup. Over a year, a cafe can save anywhere between $100 and $150 per customer that they've converted from paper cups to Frank Green smart cups. So it's that economics that gives the cafes the confidence to invest. Patrons at Tom Thumb are among the latte-sipping set who love a side order of technology. Between our rush of about 9 o'clock to 11, we've got at least an hour where it's Frank Green territory. It, it makes us more efficient. Uh, the cafe pay system is really quick and easy. Uh, knowing our customers' orders helps us too to be efficient. As an aside, the cup is also spill-proof, ensuring the lid is closed. It's BPA-free and dishwasher and microwave safe. And if the cup's not for you, there's a smart band you can use instead. After just two years, Frank Green has experienced triple-digit growth, employing 50 people in offices in the UK, LA and New Zealand. From around 20 cafes in Australia to hundreds by the year's end, the Frank Green system will expand beyond cafes into outlets such as 7-Eleven as well. A telco is on board, plus a partnership with a leading bank in the UK. And it won't stop there. In the not-too-distant future, you're going to be able to use your smart cup anywhere around the world where, you know, EPOS or Visa or MasterCard is accepted. And that's something that we're really looking forward to. It's that whole ubiquity of payments and uh, that's going to really be a game-changer for us. Another step towards a cashless future.
One of the first things Kenton Campbell noticed when he arrived on the Gold Coast more than 20 years ago was that hardly anyone was drinking takeaway coffee. It was that realisation that got him ahead of the wave of specialty coffee businesses that would open in the next decade and helped him fulfil the rags to riches American dream here in Australia. Hey mate, here you go. Thanks for the coffee. I'll jump in. Jump in. Nice fine day on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to my humble car. Oh, thank you. <laughs> when did you come to Australia and how did you start the business? So I came in late 1995, October 1st. Got brought over here by a, a, quite a large company in franchising to help them out with their point of sale, point of purchase and their coffee generally. Unfortunately, or fortunately it was as it would be, I got into a car accident. By the fourth day I was in quite a bit of pain and one of the gentlemen that was there at the academy I was training to learn the business said, look, I've got this great place for massage. And um, the person who laid hands on me is now my uh, wife of uh, 11 years and I've been with her um, since the fourth day I was here in Australia. So you know, some things are meant to me, aren't they? So at first it was very difficult and obviously nobody wants to give an entrepreneur money with just an idea. So the first thing I, of course, did in March 25th of 1995 was started the business, took hold of the brand. Did you have to get any money? How'd you fund it? I funded it through Rachel. The $9,000 I needed um, to uh, get the business started, she signed on a personal loan. Did that put pressure on the relationship, you think? Well, of course it did. When she met me, she, she had a, a car that worked, uh, 8,000 in, in the bank. Six months later, the car was broke dick. She'd given up her scholarship to help me and she had no money in the bank. So oh. there was a point where we were living on, I was on the floor next to the couch in her parents' uh, house at Paradise Point, and she looked at me one day and she said, I've only got 20 bucks left to make account. I don't think I can afford to keep you. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And funny enough, the next day as things would happen, um, I got a, a good enough payout from my accident um, that it helped. I mean, you could have had the opportunity to start any business you wanted, really. So why coffee in Australia? I was up in Brisbane um, doing a trademark and I looked around and nobody was carrying around coffee. Nobody had a cup, any cup, and I thought, they haven't done this yet. They don't know about the market yet. That's when I told Rachel, look, I, I think I can make the wave of specialty coffee. You know, we got the, the business started as a roastery in uh, 96. In 1997, we opened our first retail coffee shop in Australia Fair. 2009, our first drive-through opened, but it had taken 18 months before to work out the deal and get it built. And I think from day one, they were in a break-even. And I thought, wow, you know, usually 18 to 24 months. This has happened the sort of first day. I'll watch this and see how it goes, and it just grew and grew and grew from there. I'm very consultative with my franchisees, with my staff, with my customers. And I started asking why, what, what, was, the, what was the difference? And uh, what they had said was, our brand on the coast, at least at that point, was synonymous with great coffee, great service. We're a local brand, and they were looking for convenience added to that, and that's what we did. Why franchise, and, and do you do anything different when you franchise? I did a little model, and it said franchising uh, in the next five years and owning the business on my own. Franchising, I thought I'd have between 10 and 20 stores. Mm. Owning it myself, five. Franchising, I'd have great people in there helping me because I had cash flow. Obviously, on my own, I, I wouldn't. I'd have to still wear a lot of hats. And the main one was, I reckoned, franchising, I'd have a loving, caring wife and, um, you know, 
be able to spend time with my boy because I was sharing that workload. I thought with the other one that that might put us under stress, it might be unbearable. And I've, I've seen that a lot and I just went, well, I'm not going to kid myself. I'll share in the opportunity and franchising in 2001 was born for Zarafas and I'd never look back. I, I, I think without franchising, we wouldn't be the brand we are. What are the things that can stop businesses from growing though? Because there's all this debate about penalty rates at the moment too. Where do you stand? Australian small businesses are tired. They're tired of doing all the book work. Just make it easy. So with penalty rates, there's two things. One, it's the try to figure it out first of all. What do I pay? They're that age. It's this time. Oh my God. Rather than just that's the payroll. Look, if it's going to be 22 bucks, make it 22 bucks. It'll be 24, make it 24. In saying that, it is a penalty, and it's not just a penalty to me. If you take the store we were just at, and you map that out as an average for our group, between 100 and 150 people, if they got rid of penalty rate, rates, 38 hours a week, would be hired overnight because we run skeleton crews. The last thing is it drives small business into a decision. Go out of business because they can't afford to and they're tired of working so hard, or pay cash, and I don't blame them anymore. They're not paying cash because they want to, they're paying cash because they have to be competitive. They have to because otherwise they can't do those other things in business. So it is a penalty. You know, I'm not saying this on behalf of any, any political party, liberal, not labor, not anybody anymore. I'm saying it on behalf of small business. If you do the right thing by your employees, they'll stay around a long time, but the business still needs to be profitable. Otherwise you can't continue to be a good business. What about giving back to the community? What do you do? For years we've been giving to charities like Act for Kids. I was an abused uh, child. I've done a lot of stuff with uh, Lifeline for that reason too. You know, recently because of my, my health bout with cancer, I've bequeathed quite a sum of money to Ian Fraser's work up at the TRI and the PA Foundation. If you go overseas, we've been for, uh, for quite a few years now supporting Meru, which we buy all their coffee out completely. It's a coffee co-op. You have to give back. If you don't give back, then the community won't believe you and you'll just be another cafe, another coffee shop. Kenton, some great insights. Thank you very much. Love to meet you. Pleasure. Um, Hi. Can I grab a more coffee? Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. So you've had the cafe dream percolating for a while now, but how do you serve it up? Well, champion latte artist Meg Loudon from Coffee Brothers is here to help illustrate how. First, you'll need a business plan. How much money do you need? How much money do you have? How much money can you borrow? Make an appointment at your bank or with your accountant, then lodge your business name with ASIC and register for an ABN. You can do both of these online. With that sorted, you can look for a location. It's much simpler to take over an existing cafe. If you're starting from scratch, you'll need building and planning approval. You'll need to make sure your space meets food hygiene standards. Contact your council for approval. A liquor license is a must if you're going to serve alcohol. Cost about $700, and you can apply online in most states. Then you can get the gear. A good coffee machine is obviously essential. The rest depends on how extensive you want your menu to be. Then wake up and smell the coffee. You can find all this information on our website. For most of us, a daily coffee or two is a necessity, but how about turning that cup of joe into some good? 
Well, Ryan Emery sat down with one of the founders of social enterprise Community Pod to find out how it's giving charities a brand new revenue source and helping the planet along the way. It's time for a coffee at Lifeline WA. And fittingly for Australia's major suicide prevention organisation, it's a coffee that also makes a difference. Community Pod is an Australian first. Sustainable coffee pods with a social heart, made for Nespresso machines. Every 10 cents from a coffee pod sale and $3 from the beans goes to a nominated charity. Lifeline buy the pods, naturally giving back to themselves, but they also encourage businesses and individual donors to purchase them online as well. Community Pod ticks all the boxes. Uh, not only does it give back to charity, not only is it a, a different way for us to look for a new revenue stream, um, it also gives uh, companies who support us and organisations and individuals that support us a new way of supporting us. With a struggling WA economy, many are tightening their purse strings, but the pods are a product with a purpose. We are seeing donor fatigue in some areas of our business. We're also seeing numbers of donations drop. We're also seeing the average amount per donation drop. But given the popularity of coffee, the brains behind Community Pod realised that tapping into an existing revenue stream and diverting it to a charity could be a simple and effective way to raise funds. Starting the business with his fiancée a year ago, Mark Rogan says Australians go through 1.2 billion coffee pods a year. That's nearly 3.3 million a day. We want to be able to get 5% of that. That's our aim within five years. And if we do that, we're raising $5 million a year. So it's an enormous thing. Made from vegetable matter and biodegradable, the pods are not just for the socially minded, but also target those trying to lower their impact on the environment. For us, we've got a guilt-free pod um, that you can just throw in the waste bin or throw in the garden or, and it's gone in six months. We're really working hard with the manufacturer at the moment to make sure that we can keep expanding and they can keep expanding with us um, because um, it's just, it's just a fabulous product. To help get its product to charities, Community Pod has partnered with Impact, an international company that connects charities and social causes to businesses. The tie-up streamlines back-end payments and means charities don't have to pay bank fees or other administration charges. So all the money goes where it should to help those in need. They've really helped us and they'll help us with our future expanding as well. We're the first ones to use them in Australia and they're really excited. So we've got 100 charities on now and we'll keep expanding that. Sticking to a sustainable philosophy, Community Pod thinks global and acts local. The business is fully digital with no physical infrastructure. The coffee is roasted in Queensland. The pods and beans are packed at Active Foundation Warehouses, which provides employment opportunities to people with disabilities across metropolitan and regional WA. And the coffee waste from the pods is used by another innovative startup, Lifecycle, to grow mushrooms. In 2008, Ramsey Choker lost everything, his business and his families. 12 months later, he lost his father. But from that time of grief grew an idea that became a plan that's become one of Sydney's most popular cafe spaces. I'm Ramsey Choker, the creative director of The Grounds and the founder as well with business partner Jack Hanna. 
I wasn't good in school. I, I got in a lot of trouble at school. They diagnosed me with uh, ADHD. So my father basically, when I was around 17 years old, said to me, you know, why don't you go create your own business? And my first business was in Bondo Beach. It was called Healthy and Delicious. It was basically a whole food shop. It was around one year into it and I got bored and I bought a franchise of Aportos in Bondo Beach. And then I thought it'd be really cool, you know, that's, I, I want to own my own bar. I went off and built Buckle and Chupicoa. Basically, it was when the economic hit happened and the bank started calling in all these loans. Oh, I love that sign. <laughs> Fluffy. Ended up selling my business there, putting 2.6 million into my father's business, trying to pay back the loan, but on the debt and all this sort of stuff. So after two years, he started, he lost his whole business. I mean everything from houses to cars to everything. We literally had nothing. Wasn't much time after that that um, from my father losing everything, he uh, got cancer, but unfortunately, he ended up passing away. For the grounds back then, I wanted to create a space because I lost for my father a place where when I used to see him, when he was doing business, the only time I used to see him was on a Sunday, you know. My, my sister used to say, let's go to this cafe and, you know, you're gonna, we'll see Dad. I wanted to recreate that. I wanted to recreate a time in my life. Yeah, I had all these memories from the potting shed to the garden, to the cafe, to the atrium, of all these memories in my life that were good. The grounds was born out of that need and desire, not only to recreate these memories, but to be able to look after my family. I had no money. I didn't know how I'm gonna do it. I just had this vision. My best friend, Abraham, I went to him and said, look, Abe, I've got this business that I want to build and I need some money. And he goes, okay, how much money do you want? And I said, look, I need half a million dollars. And he was like, he goes, okay. We opened the doors in 2012. So to be profitable, I think it took us six months to actually be profitable. Currently got in excess of 250 staff. When we first started, we had 15 staff and part of that staff was my family, so it's, it's growing. The cafe produces 40% of our turnover. Potting Shed would do 30%, and then the rest is between events and bits and pieces that we're doing. My beautiful girlfriend, that is my stylist in my business. Unfortunately, a lot of businesses out there don't see the value in being able to get a stylist or a phenomenal design or art directors in their business. So I look at the grounds, it's not a hospitality company. We're building the most beautiful things the world has ever seen. Did I ever think the grounds would be as successful as it is? No, but I knew there was something here. I think, you know, looking back at my father, you know, the biggest and the most inspirational part is even to the day he died, is he never gave up. It just shows you've got to be able to stick to your vision. And that is it for the program. If you do have any questions about your small business, why not ask KPMG Enterprise? We have their expertise on hand to help. The details are on our website. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can watch Small Business Secrets anytime on SBS On Demand. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. I'll see you next time.
And that is all we have time for in this podcast of Small Business Secrets. Don't forget, though, you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Biz Secrets SBS or Small Business Secrets. And don't forget, there is more on our website, sbs.com.au forward slash news. You can find us there. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.